Mm-hmm. You know, for those that don't know, then the IDG's you know mission really is to advocate, uh, facilitate, and integrate then science-based skills and qualities that help us to live purposeful, sustainable, and productive lives, uh, with aim of bringing then the power of inner development to all global challenges faced by humanity. This is a podcast called Walk, Talk, Listen. An attempt to connect people and make this world a bit better by sharing opinions and experiences based on the belief that everyone's perspective is true, albeit partial. My name is Maurice Bloom, and I would like to welcome you to yet another episode of Walk, Talk. Okay, good day everybody. This is another episode of the podcast Walk, Talk, Listen. And as always, I'm delighted with today's guest who will introduce herself. Maria, please go ahead. Yes. Hi, Maurice. Lovely to see you again. And Mm -hmm. hi, everyone. My name is Maria uh, Mudig, and I'm talking to you today from uh, just outside Stockholm in Sweden, Mm -hmm. uh, where it's currently full of snow and about minus five. Um, Yeah. Yeah, and and Sweden is that also the place where you where you uh, grew up, or you know, were you born and raised somewhere else? Yeah, exactly. So I'm actually Greek. Uh, my mm-hmm. pa- my parents are from Athens uh, in Crete in Greece, um, but I was uh, born and brought up in Scotland. Oh, okay. uh, so I lived uh, in Glasgow uh, until I was around seventeen, then moved to Edinburgh and then down to. To London uh, ultimately so um, I've been in Sweden now for 10 years mm-hmm. and so it's my 10 year anniversary with here and before that though I've, I've moved to a few places so after London I was in Brussels and then back to London and living in Paris uh, before coming to Sweden mm-hmm. so um, I'd say I'm maybe a good example of a, a European uh, ultimately yeah <laughs> and and how did your um parents end up in Scotland so my uh, my father uh, chose to study in England and my mother followed him ultimately so they studied in Southampton and then he's uh, an academic uh, to begin with focusing on on shipping so then they ended up uh, he ended up at the university in Glasgow and of course uh, they went for three years and ended up uh, 40 I think now 48 years later, uh, they're still there and the rest of uh, the family is still in Greece. Mm. Okay, okay. And, and you know, thinking back about your, you know, growing up in, in Scotland, um, what pops up, you know, first in your mind when you think about it and, and which is still, you know, relevant for who you are today and what you do? I, I think certainly I see... Um, Ultimately, the opportunity of growing up with certainly two uh, cultures mm-hmm. uh, was very much prevalent even uh, as a, during my childhood as a way of seeing that the world ultimately um, came with many different perspectives and different cultural contexts and sensitivities. And ultimately, that perhaps society was uh, more complex and uh, interconnected than what we are we are often taught in in schools uh, or even at home. 
And um, that was certainly something that was very, I was very aware of, even, you know, I think from the age of eight, I would say there was often a very huge disparity between my summers with a very big uh, Greek family and then coming back to Scotland, just being a smaller unit and also very, very different ultimately to my other classmates, certainly in Glasgow at the time, uh, was very, um, let's say, less diverse uh, than um, what I was being exposed to uh, personally. And that's something that has really stayed with me and my choices, I believe, ultimately, through uh, my career and life choices in the sense of um, seeing both inequalities mm-hmm. uh, in combination, how we are both can be apart and connected uh, as cultures and societies. And that's something that um, has driven me really to push towards uh, the beauty of our interconnectedness mm-hmm. and the beauty of diversity and also equality and how we can infer ultimately uh, and find a deeper meaning to what we are doing uh, if we choose to do so when it comes to how we act and how we are with people and what we choose to work with. And I I was very much brought up. um, Thanks to my parents, uh, I would say very much to strive for a a meaning and purpose with what we choose to do in life and not to settle for anything less than ultimately always striving to fill our our full potential in that sense and that um, life is what you make of it rather than what uh, comes at you. And and how does the the decision from your side to study uh, at the University of Edinburgh, uh, how does that fit into that? And ultimately, you know, you went to the, the London School of Economics as well. How, how how does that fit into what you just explained? Yeah, I think um, I actually started uh, life, my uh, academic life uh, as a lawyer. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that was more from the push around me mm-hmm. than my innermost calling in that sense. And really needing time as an individual to uh, feel and sense out what is it I would like to do in life. And so from a lawyer, I went to move on. You know, I studied in Edinburgh and then in London uh, law and then went on to uh, one of the largest law firms uh, in the world and worked there for a few years before actually uh, shifting to go and work for the UN. And I was working for uh unesco and the adg for cultures uh executive team and before moving to sweden and working on um, starting work with social entrepreneurship so the the red thread i would say with all with that is really um sensing into what is it really that i'm what's my purpose what is it i'm here uh, to do and contribute with and not being satisfied if where I may find myself was not um, was maybe ticking some boxes and not all in that sort of deeper drive to contribute back ultimately. Mm-hmm. So I ended up, uh, you know, in a as a finance lawyer doing the closest thing to social impact possible, which was then uh, at the time project finance law. Mm-hmm. So working with development finance institutions 
uh, for very large projects, predominantly in Africa and the Middle East. Um, but there, there was uh, I've, I needed some more creative outlet ultimately than law could give me. Mm. Hmm. And and you ultimately found that in in the organization that you're linked with at the moment, that's twenty nine K, right? Can, can you tell a bit about twenty nine K and what is your role within yeah. that? Although it evolved, I think also right. Yeah, exactly. So. Ultimately, you know, 20, I, I'm the former co-CEO of the 29K Foundation and now transitioned into a board member role okay. there. And ultimately, 29K is looking at what inner capacities or rather looking to develop inner capacities we need to not only cope, but also thrive in life for a, a more flourishing world and planet. Mm -hmm. So 29K was the Trendan K Foundation was uh, founded by three people here in Sweden, Niklas Adelbert, Thomas Björkman and Eric Fernholm. And it was very much stems from an, an aspirational, I would say, idea that they had uh, five, six years ago, which is that um, ultimately that the best support for mental well-being and inner development should be free and easy to use mm. and available for everyone on the planet. Uh, the idea behind that being that um, if more, if millions of people um, have the access to tools that help them live more fuller lives and fulfill their fuller potential, their true potential, then there would be more and more wiser decision makers in the world uh, working together to solve uh, the more important or most important problems we are facing uh, as. Uh, uh, in humanity or globally on the planet and and i mean for the for the listeners who are not totally aware so 29k foundation came up with an app right um exactly so this? yeah yeah you're you're right maria so today 29k has developed two actually oh, uh, two. Yeah. platforms or two apps the first one is 29k mm -hmm. and the latest sort of 2.0 version is called aware and the apps have a 4.9 rating, uh, and now we've had over half a million uh, downloads. Mm -hmm. I would say we've deeply impacted since 2020, uh, when the first app uh, was uh, launched. Now over 100,000 people, of which roughly 20,000 people have had the equivalent uh, impact or effect, I would say, of six to eight therapy sessions. Mm. So... Of course, from a, given that it's a, a tech and an app, I would say any uh, realistic goal for this type of initiative uh, should maybe have a, a thousandfold uh, when it comes to the impact of number of people. Um, but we are certainly, um, I think, on, on the right path uh, towards that. And we've recently now with Aware actually been received um, from Google uh, Best Hidden Gem Award for 2023. Mm -hmm. Uh, aware was only launched now in may uh, this year okay congratulations um, with that thank you um i would say you know one thing i should underpin is that both platforms are non-profit and mm -hmm. open source and so really what makes me i would say most proud of this initiative is that um in a very for-profit uh, tech dominated world uh, that we live in where really uh, profit is a value metric that is optimized for 
uh, for platforms, then creating a platform that can reach millions and is grounded ultimately in the acting for the greater good mm-hmm. and striving to striving always to promote uh, what is best for the individual and, and ultimately planetary uh, well-being mm-hmm. is um, a rare gift, I would say, mm-hmm. to the commons. And now, having been there three years, uh, it's uh, it's certainly, we're the black sheep, I would say, in mm-hmm. the tech, you know, tech world coming in as non-profit, open source, and, and ultimately free for uh, users. Yeah. I have a couple of questions around it. So, so first of all, so how do you manage to provide it for free? Because I, I assume that you have a team behind it that, um, you know, that needs to look after the app. Uh, it is running well. Um, yeah, so let's let us focus on that. How do, how do you do that? I mean, to, to actually take, to develop the platform, it mm-hmm. was philanthropic and money that ultimately took, a, took the risk uh, uh, of developing the platform in order to yeah. ensure that we could keep it non-profit and open source rather than bringing in um, traditional investors mm-hmm. uh, that would then be focusing on the profit ultimately as the, the de- for the development. Um, and then now today we are funded on a, let's say a traditional non-profit mix of both mm-hmm. um, uh, we have we can have corporate uh, partnerships now because we can provide services to corporates as well, okay. as well as philanthropic money and uh, institutional uh, funding as well. So um, we're ultimately still aiming in order to ensure the long longevity of the project um, to build out our own independent revenue through partnerships and ultimately um, supporting organizations uh with their um individuals or their employees uh, or communities uh well-being and inner development as a way to keep it then still free for individuals hmm. and and what i noticed i mean you you did include uh do include the, the possibility for people to donate right so um are people are people providing uh donations for it because that's what you hope for, right? That they see the value and that they think, well, I would like this to continue. So I would like to support it. Yeah, I mean, we can definitely, there is an ability to donate via the app and from our, our web page. And of course, uh, if you want to support or partner or spread the word, that, you know, that would be amazing for anyone listening. I mean, we, um, I think there's a fantastic example, actually, um, from Nippon Meta with Service Base, where it's all uh, based on, uh, on donations i think in our case it's uh, the combination of different types of funding that has ensured our sustainability in that sense but we are very much focused on a wikipedia uh, style model uh, with the 29k's you know both aware and 29k platforms where um researchers um organizations can come with evidence-based uh, tools or content that they can put on the platform and use with their communities. But ultimately, whatever content is developed is then made available not only to your target group, but to all as well. So it's very much this case of uh, paying it forward uh, through, your, through partnering together and, of course, through donating. Um, 
now the the i mean both the apps are really there to support uh, people with their mental health um if, if you look at the the folks that are uh, signing up and are using the app is that a specific age group that that really you know is using this so i can say ultimately it's a privacy by design and platform mm -hmm. so we yeah. know uh, very little about okay. our users from uh, other than seeing the usage uh, mm -hmm. itself so we have uh, zero data on any user it's all okay. on the user's uh, own device um, but from follow-up um, questionnaires, so from uh, those that uh, are then chosen, those users have then chosen to follow up with more data, then we know there is really a, a spread because it's also available for youth. Uh, yeah. So it's really from age 15 until 90 uh, plus in okay. that yeah. this week. And we have users from over 200 countries uh, now. Um, I would say there is a, a very big chunk uh, just from the responses we've received, of course, um, really from uh, late 20s to late 40s. So that's mm -hmm. a very big sweep. Um, yeah. And the majority of people that have answered have been uh, women as well, female. Um, and, but of course, that's just from those that have answered. Uh, you know, we can see from... Uh, feedback, let's say comments, you know, anonymous comments in the actual yeah. uh, platform or in the app um, that it's and from um, users we see because we, we ultimately it's, uh, you have peer to peer groups and then you yeah. have dedicated uh, group sessions as well as being able to um, do things on your own. So from the live group sessions that are facilitated, there is a, a broad sweep of um, of ages and uh, backgrounds as well. Okay. Um, I would like to go back to, to you and, and your role within the organization. So you were the co-CEO before, well, before that we, you were the COO, okay? And now you're a board member. Um, why did you decide to stop, you know, to, to take another role? Um, and yeah, how do you see yourself? I mean, what what is the next steps for you? Because I am yeah. assuming that that uh, a board, being a board member doesn't pay the bills. So uh, no, that that's a great question. And um, what we we took a decision uh, now in the summer mm -hmm. to um, actually restructure the organization, okay. and open it up in a way that meant we could really stay true. To the original vision, which was a, a Wikipedia ultimately for okay. mental well-being and inner development, and with that restructure, we shifted to um, a collective or project-based uh, team uh, approach, in order to allow then more pro more project teams and organizations to be able to support to build out both the content in the platform and help spread both awareness and, and outreach. So in, in, as part of that, then it didn't make sense ultimately to have um, a CEO, I would say, uh, overseeing the just a CEO, I would say, overseeing the whole organization. Rather, we've created a steering group then of uh, key representatives from the core then uh, team that um, focuses not only on maintaining and but rather developing the core experience 
uh, for the user, individual user in the platform, whilst uh, um, the larger network and, of course, including the board then focuses on both the strategic development and also then the awareness raising and advocacy around the platform and bringing in those uh, different uh, collaborators and partnerships. Um, and then as to the question of what uh, next, yeah, I, uh, I'm uh, gifting myself, uh, I have gifted myself this autumn as a uh, time to um, regenerate, I would mm -hmm. say, it's a very intense uh, three years, and also to really sense in with the sort of, you know, what is actually the next the right step uh, for me in that sense uh, with the, um, things that I've learned uh, ultimately so far where can I best be of service so there's a, a number of different opportunities and uh, mm -hmm. choosing to to take to force myself to take time so so did you figure that out already or you're you're still in the process of of reflection and you know, where do we go from here? I mean, in terms of, uh, I'm still in the process, but certainly I, I feel like a, a strong calling to be somewhere where I can really focus on collective action across several initiatives in that sense. I see a need for more of us to be striving for less silos mm -hmm. and uh, more collaborative and cross-sectoral collaborations mm. where we can support ultimately the ego to and anxieties to come out of the room mm. and really uh, come to more deeper collaborations for a more accelerated uh, approach to um, building a, a better world ultimately. When I, if if I listen to you carefully from from today's conversation, you you used the word purpose a couple of times. Um, you know, for, for me that is that is kind of a link to, um, as you know, or, or maybe you don't know. I don't remember if I told you, but this particular podcast is a spin-off of a hundred mile walk that I started in 2012. So I walk for. Uh, 15, 20 miles per day in a week time to raise awareness and funds uh, to, to end hunger, poverty, and injustice. And during COVID, I was not able to, to walk with others. Um, so then I, you know, I thought, okay, I, I start walking virtually. So that's why, and then it has gone out of hand a little bit, you know, two years later and still doing this. Um, but during those walks, um, I, then, then I end up, talking with my co-workers about you know what is the purpose of, of life and what, what drives you um so so i yeah what, what drives you it's, it's a why very, do you get out of bed in the morning right yeah it's a very uh you know profound question mm. ultimately with many many different uh aspects mm. but ultimately When I, when you know, you you brought the, when you asked when I just hear the, hear this question now, what comes to me really is how can I make um, contribute to making the world better, not only for my children, 
my children's children and really thinking, you know, as very wise indigenous leaders uh, have for many centuries and still today considering seven generations uh, ahead. So what really drives me is how can I best ensure whatever footprints I make on the planet, uh, both physical and metaphorical, are in some way, uh, shape or form, contributing to leaving it a better place and when I uh, came into it, when I leave it. <laughs> yeah, and it's something that, um, you know, I've been asking a couple of people now during my podcast as well, and that's in terms of what, what type of ancestor do you want to be and in, in, in actually learning there from the indigenous population that I think often talks in those type of, you know, um, with that that type of wisdom and thinking about better um how do you thrive right and and how do we get a better balance between humanity and and nature um anyway that those are our thoughts and and conversations that i have during those walks um we often talk about youth as well you know and and what is happening with the next generation um how is it with their um, spirituality their beliefs um so a question that i always ask to my guests is also what do you see among youth um, and with regard to religion and spirituality in your community hmm. i think right now generally certainly in um in sweden i would say there is uh, unfortunately an un unprecedented pandemic of hopelessness and resignation uh, spreading among youth. So um, a sharp, I would say, not only increase, but really um, prevalent uh, doomsday narratives and little sense of agency right now amongst youth. Um, increasing mental health crisis uh, at large, but also particularly, uh, I would say, in Sweden versus other European uh, countries and, and globally, especially amongst the uh, girls. Mm -hmm. Sharp increase in drugs. And you may have uh, heard on the news, you know, uh, shootings, uh, gangs right now, mm -hmm. uh, much higher uh, number of shootings uh, in Sweden, more the ADHD, self-harm, eating disorders going down, you know, really going down also to very low mm -hmm. ages. Um, so... I know whilst uh, schools in, in, in Sweden, or certainly in Stockholm, have signed up to Agenda 2030, uh, that really a lot more progress is needed. Mm -hmm. And then linking that, of course, to religion and spirituality, it is a, a much greater, uh, it's uh, seen certainly from reports and, um, you know, really initiatives that are working directly with youth, um, a great, um, disconnect ultimately uh, within communities uh, across communities but also within themselves um, and with the community at large so really there's a i would say a growing need to create a more functional narrative uh, together uh, with concrete interventions to to build hope uh, and uh, um, bring on a more sense of, of agency ultimately and uh, uh, very practically, you know, access to resources uh, that will support children of today to um, with their mental health 
and to feel that not only that they have what they need to cope, but also to to thrive. And and what do you think is the the reason for that? Or is it is it and or is it you know some people are saying well maybe this is also because we just have more information you know we know more what's going on in the world and it's not very different than how it was in the past what is your take on that i mean my my personal take is that we are i think the the individualistic uh, society uh, where self has taken a very uh, or and me has taken a very sort of core role in how we both act uh, and um, are exposed uh, today in society are ultimately leading to more and more destructive behaviors because it's taking us really more and further and further away mm -hmm. than what we're even genetically uh, you know have evolved uh, um, over hundreds of thousands of years now to to become in that sense that we are a social species mm. we thrive uh, best uh, together and so I think it's not only you know youth really are at the 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 cusp the first wave in in their lives of what is a uh, uh, a much longer story when it comes to humanity and the trajectory that we have taken. And um, unfortunately, it's coming, I, I believe it's, you know, coming more and more to a head in that sense with this individualistic approach where we are really at a crossroads where we are running out of time ultimately mm. to make a radical shift in how we are um, in what systems uh, and structures we are um holding uh, humanity up with in the world in that sense and not least youth yeah our children mm -hmm. um you you were alluding to the sustainable development goals right and that we are not we are behind um on average we are at 15 percent reaching that goal um and well, we, we met each other at the Inner Development Goal Summit, the second one. And, you know, the, the people are going there, are going there because they they think that one of the reasons, if not, you know, the main reason that we are not reaching those goals is that we are not paying proper attention to the abilities, skills and knowledge that you need as an individual and as a community. I know that you have been instrumental, you know, a part of that group of folks who started this. Um, yeah, can, can you tell me a bit about uh, two things? How did you got involved uh, with in the development goals? And then second, what do you like the people to know, the listeners to know about uh, the inner development goals? Thank you, Marie. So the 29K Foundation is one of the initiating partners of the IDGs, our inner development goals, uh, together with uh, the Oak Island Foundation and, um, and the new division. And so I was lucky enough to be part of um, the, let's say, the, the starting group in that sense um, to get the initiative going. The premise being really very much that um, there are so many wonderful initiatives globally talking about, as you uh, mentioned, Maurice, you know, what are the um, 
what are the abilities, uh, skills, um, and qualities that we need to develop in order to um, create a more uh, ultimately regenerative future for people and planet and to address the global challenges uh, that we face today in humanity. So um, 29K is, of course, now, you know, it's an initiating partner, but we have been part of um, supporting the strategic development uh, and as a, now as a sister organization. Uh, seeing what we can do ultimately to to support now the initiative that is gaining a lot of traction uh, amongst governments, UN agencies and institutions and uh, the private sector and civil society as well. Um, I mean, I would say you asked me what I would want to say to listeners. Um, I mean, for those that don't know, then the IDG's you know mission really is to advocate, uh, facilitate and integrate then science-based skills and qualities that help us to live purposeful, sustainable and productive lives uh, with aim of bringing then the power of inner development to all global challenges faced by humanity. And I think there's now over 300 country hubs uh, globally uh, across all sectors. But really the main thought I would like to, as a takeaway uh, from my perspective with the IDGs is that um, the inner development goals are not an end goal in themselves. Rather, they are there to serve only as signposts to what is needed and lacking today if we are to create a more thriving and regenerative uh, future. So I think um, that for every skill set set out in, you know, what is the IDG framework, there's a five dimensions and roughly right now 23 skill sets. It's very much worth considering what is stopping us also from developing or learning or applying these skills or qualities um, in our everyday lives? Because I, I think also just knowing that, okay, now I, if I learn uh, to be more compassionate or have more complexity awareness or consider um, cooperation and collaboration, um, that in itself won't necessarily save the planet. It's a, it is a combination really of, uh, you know, the five dimensions is, you know, the being, relating, thinking, uh, uh, and collaborating and so on that um, it's actually choosing to act on them and how you act and what is stopping you from acting. Uh, what I believe will address the knowing doing gap that we are in now the last, I'd say, 50 years in that sense. Mm -hmm. No, and, and I appreciate that you especially, you know, also emphasize the acting, you, don't, you know, don't, don't forget that. Um, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm really trying to be a, an advocate, you know, of, of the SDGs. I think people need to be aware and countries need to act. And, and you know, even the country that I'm uh, at present uh, living in, you know, not a lot of people know about the sustainable development goals, unfortunately. Um, so one of the critique points, uh, um, critical, yeah, the critique is, you know, this is really a UN, UN policy um, when, when folks talk about the SDGs. Um, do you think there is also a danger that the inner development goals are seen as such, you know, something from the West that, you know, the, the elite are, are talking about and, you know, has no meaning. Um, 
you know, at, at, at the grassroots, at the people that are at the moment not really um, able to participate and access um, all the resources that we can in the so-called uh, Western countries. I think it's a, there's a very valid uh, critique in the sense of, um, I'd say, the IDG framework as of today, you know, that stems from around, uh, you know, 4,000 answers, uh, predominantly from Western countries when it comes to both from uh, experts, uh, you know, research and uh, uh, leaders across sectors. And um, that is why... Uh, the current phase for the IDGs is now to what's called a one-question global survey, where uh, the initiative is looking to gather at least um, uh, 100,000 answers uh, globally from all countries, I would say, and communities in the world to ensure that both cultural context and also um, local wisdoms are taken into account when it comes to um, having a, a mapping and definitely not, certainly not a definitive mapping of uh, what skills and qualities and abilities we, we need uh, to start to act uh, um, more proactively and a, a level that's not seen yet when it comes to the SDGs, uh, certainly. Um, and I think there's a, a very conscious, um, you know, very the team in the IDGs is very consciously certainly not um, aiming to set the IDG framework as the the be all and end all in that sense. And I think we need to be very um, careful to make sure that that is also represented when talking about the the IDGs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I, I appreciate that. Although I I think it's you know. Maybe unfortunately, at the moment, um, as a world, as, a, as humanity, we're very quick with criticizing all kinds of things. In, in, instead of saying, you know, looking at how can we use that to to create change? Where do we agree, and how can we move forward? It's it's, um, and, and I think that's very much uh, necessary. Um, one of the things that I hope that I will be able to establish with this podcast is connect people and show different perspectives. And again, you know, when you listen to Maria, when you listen to the previous guest, uh, Freddie, that you say, okay, you know, I don't uh, necessarily agree with everything he or she's saying, but hey, this is interesting. And there I could start a conversation and a dialogue, which is so important in this, you know, uh, polarized world. So I have a question for you from the previous guest. We see what is going on. We see a lot of initiatives about uh, to make this world much more peaceful, but yet this world is not peaceful, peaceful at all. What can we do different, differently? Uh, we know that we have a lot of initiatives and you have so many trainings and people actually very highly skilled to even share those skills to to others. We have good people. We have also other people who do not really uh, get uh, into the process of uh, making this world uh, peaceful. So, and these have been there for long. And in order to bring back hope, 
what the, what can we do as a human being and what can we differently to make this world a better place to live <laughs> yeah i think really what's coming to mind for me is actually what uh, you know phoebe dekel talks on the imagination activism in that sense that we do not have to accept the status quo and that we do have the power as humans to not only imagine the world, a better world that we want to create, but also to act on it. And I truly believe that the power of uh, the few can impact the many in that sense. So we, um, um, I think you have a, a good example there from um, the, let's say the, the, well, there's many good examples of that, uh, but uh, certainly um, thinking back to what stemmed before 29K as well, uh, was uh, one of the founders uh, wrote a book called The Nordic Secret here. Um, and that talks about the, the Bildung uh, and folk school movement uh, in the Nordics uh, back in the late uh, 19th, early 20th century, where um, all uh, members in society were given the chance to go to for a six month uh, retreat where they were able to um, work on their inner capacities and skill sets. And very much uh, the ones they perhaps like on the inner development goals framework. And then from that, you had then the, you know, the, the um, statement really is that from these folk schools and giving the chance uh, for education and a deeper education to the many uh, allowed then the knock-on positive effects in the Nordics when it came to the great transition from very impoverished uh, countries to uh, some of the happiest, let's say, uh, prosperous countries in, in the world. So long story short to um, um, looking at can a few uh, key initiatives change the trajectory for the many, even if not everyone is choosing to act. And I truly believe that if we can imagine the world that we, we want and create opportunities and access then to tools for uh, a good percentage that we would all then stand a better chance of um, uh, having a, what was it, a, a better place to live, right? Yeah. Your question for the next guest. Hmm. I think it's, you know, we've talked quite a bit about it, of course, not surprisingly when it comes to uh, 29K and IDGs, but um, I would flip it then to really want to ask the next guest on what qualities, abilities or skills uh, do they believe uh, uh, we need to develop to change our trajectory and to start to build a more sustainable and regenerative future? for people and planet. 
And I think with that, I would add then if you could imagine a place where we together can learn and develop these qualities, abilities and skills, what would that place or places look like? And how could we ensure access for all? Um, and music is very important to me, so I always ask a question about music as well. Um, if I ask you to come up with a piece of music or a song that embodies for a big part what you are about, which song would that be and why? This is such a difficult question because I love so many different uh, types of music, depending on, uh, you know, it's really, for me, music is uh, a great, it gives me great strength, uh, Maurice. So this is not a nice question. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, to, yeah. for what it's worth, some people have been cheating and they gave me three three different titles. So. Ooh, ooh. Well, um, so if you really cannot choose, I, um... yeah, I think um, my um, son, you know, as part of, uh, I have uh, three, uh, blessed with three children, and they have a winter concert at their school, and uh, one of my sons, uh, his class had to sing. Um, uh, or didn't I, yeah had to sing really uh, a million dreams a song mm. by uh, in, from the greatest showman yeah and um, I'd say I, I'm very profoundly moved by that song uh, I, I think it's especially when hearing um, my son and in the class sing it mm. um, because ultimately it's uh, you know, very much linked to what we've talked about today in terms of um, not accepting what you're given or the status quo and imagining the world we want to create. Uh, and despite uh, counter forces around you, uh, sticking the course ultimately. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So okay. I will pick that one. And then there's a myriad of others that I uh, will keep <laughs> myself. <laughs> <laughs> no, and and... I don't know if you are aware and, and to remind the listeners. So we will add this particular song to a, um, a playlist that we developed on Spotify. If you go to Spotify um, and you search for hashtag walk, talk, listen, you will find all the songs that have been selected by or picked by my uh, guests so far. So thank you. Um, you know, here in the States, uh, there's a person called Steve Hartman of CBS. I don't know if he's still doing that, but he used to at least examine how one simple act of kindness uh, created a ripple effect. I have two questions uh, to you about this. Is one, what do you think about the potential of one simple act of kindness in creating a ripple effect? And then this, the second part of the question is, if I ask you now on the spot to come up with a simple act of kindness that you would do this week, what would you do? Ooh. I I truly believe in the 
let's say, social emotional impact uh, of acts of kindness and their potential, I think not least when displayed even by what you could say role models uh, in society for their potential to contribute um, uh, to the greater good or the establishment or modification of uh, social norms in that sense. I think, um, or I know that uh, mental models are un what underpins any systemic change in that sense. And so simple acts of kindness, um, I, I know because I have experienced them and felt and their knock-on effects uh, can have a profound change uh, in our society, uh, small and amplified. Uh, so really, yeah, do believe uh, that is um, aspirational. And um, what would I do? You know, I am. I'm uh, often stopped in the street uh, for by someone that needs help, and I'm often have people smiling at me and saying, "Do I have you met?" So. I am very much um, an advocate for being kind uh, to whoever needs help or, or, um, or actually just taking the time to smile at someone, a stranger. And so what would I do this week? Well, it's very snowy outside. So I could certainly stop and pick up a neighbor on the way uh, who's walking to the bus stop from where I live. There's a very big hill down and up to mm. get the bus stop. And uh, the one close by doesn't go that often. So that's one that comes to mind right now, looking outside my, my window um, and continuing uh, the practice of smiling at strangers. It'll be... I'm always amazed at how a person's face can change uh, and bring them out of their thoughts to the present uh, just with a smile. Great. And, and just for the listeners, because they can't see us, you were smiling, so I started to smile. So it, it's working. Um, <laughs> Maria, um, yeah, any message, invitation or question for the listeners? I think... To the extent that you you can, I believe it's very important in today's world to stop and ask yourself, are you working with something that provides meaning and purpose? Do you truly believe it will contribute to making uh, the world a better place for even yourself? your community and those around you and, and your children and children's children. Because if not, is really what you're doing worth it? And do you or can you in any way um, make a small shift towards uh, contributing to a better world? You know, these, these conversations always go fast. Um, so before I, we, you know, we, we finish a conversation, 
Um, yeah, is there any question that I should have asked you, but I didn't? Perhaps, Maurice, what made you choose to come on the, the podcast? Yeah, the question to, to me of what made me choose to come to oh, join. Oh, okay, got it, got it. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. So why, why, why did you say yes to me when I asked you? And it's a, it's a very good question. Yeah. <laughs> why did I get into this? How did I get into this? Yeah. I, I believe because we had a, a very nice and uh, open and honest connection during the Inner Development Goals Summit, mm -hmm. where you were very um, open and non-assuming and just came as a human being, Maurice to our shared lunch that day and no matter you know what backgrounds or or experiences or positions in, in life i uh i'm always drawn to individuals that have the ability and courage to just show up as a human being and start a connection of that point so thank you no, thank you for, for which I, that's very nice uh, to hear. I mean, you know, you always, yeah, you know, you always try. I mean, if you, if, um, you know, that, again, that's what I try to do with this podcast as well, right? Is is that I hope that um, in a way we have much more in common, you know, than we think, Um often and and that should be enough to start a conversation and to share uh, you know our perspectives and and again at the end we don't have to agree but i i think it helps to to understand more uh context where people come from um and and yeah we should do that more i i really think that that will contribute to a better world i'm, I'm totally convinced about it and i i, I think that's also from my perspective, what the inner development goals are about, or whatever you call it, right? But uh, that there needs to be a better balance between inner world, outer world. Um, and um, yeah, we, you know, I, I was struck also by your last, one of your last postings on, on LinkedIn, where you said, um, a thriving planet starts with a thriving you. And I, mm -hmm. I definitely think that that is true um to have a better balance uh, between all of all of that the i we the it and the it's so if we are able to to do that in a better way we uh we should be able to move forward um in a in a direction where there will be you know future generations uh, because I'm, I'm i'm definitely worried about that yeah um I couldn't agree more, uh, Maurice. And definitely, have, you know, Dr. Dan Siegel's uh, we, you know, a me to we approach and his most recent book, The Interconnected, um, you know, came to mind when you were talking now in that sense. Um, I truly believe that we are uh, all interconnected and just have to, it's rather rediscover what uh, we and nature ultimately teaches us uh, um, on uh, how to approach life in a way for us to thrive mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
and a little bit more humility mm. um, <laughs> would definitely help. Um, th thank you so much, uh, Maria, and and you know all the best with your um, you know your next steps, whatever they uh, might be. So so um, keep me posted. Um, I would be interested to. Uh, to see and find out what you're doing. I would like to encourage the listeners to um, really check out the po podcast notes. We, I will try to write a little bit more about you and, and about, uh, you know, make a, the link available to the 29K and uh, its work. So, yeah, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Maurice. Yeah, appreciate it. for listening to walk talk listen please check us out on 100mile.org or follow us on facebook or instagram <laughs>